I'm author Mark Muncy. And I'm author Erica Lance. And this is Eerie Travels. Greetings, travelers. Greetings, travelers. I don't, I give up. I don't know what's happening every time I say greetings, travelers. There we go. I, I couldn't go on without you finishing it. So. I I don't. I literally choked on on anyway. Whatever. Oh, it, it's fine. It's fine. It's because you're so excited, you know, for for today. I am. I'm actually very excited because there's stuff. I part of what I love about a lot of these episodes is, along with our travelers that may know some more stuff than I do, I get to learn really really cool things that I didn't know. Yeah. No. Oh my gosh. There was legitimate oh. choking. Um. <laughs> But we have um, a, a breaking news, and so I want to cover that real quick. Okay. So at some future point, we're going to have an episode on Pinky, which is yeah. basically a Loch Ness monster kind of thing in Florida. I'm not going to give away much more than that. But a very interesting thing happened. Um, uh, it was published on July 17th, but basically... A rare pink dolphins were spotted in the Gulf of Mexico. Yes. So I'm I'm guessing these are kind of like albino dolphins. That's that what I'm exactly gonna. What it is. Yeah. yeah. So, but there were two of them actually. Oh, so a pair. That's yeah. That so is- we have a. Uh, I'm gonna link this story because somebody got it on record and stuff like that, which of course is amazing, and we love that. But. Um, they think this might be what Pinky is. So when we do our Pinky episode, we're going to have to um, talk about whether or not it's a rare pink dolphin. That is a that is a common theory, was that it was a, either an albino dolphin or an albino manatee, which is another creature common down here in Florida. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, you know, it had a gray shell and some other weird things. We'll talk, we definitely will talk about Pinky because that was like one of our big hits from uh, Erie, Florida book. So we'll do a full deep dive on Pinky, but we, we've got a lot of lake monsters to discuss. That's so. that's true. We do. So, but it was it was pretty neat that somebody actually got a video. So yeah. instead of being hyperbole, look, that's my big word of the day. Um, my, my theory is what if Pinky is an albino ulti or an albino champ? So Oh, yeah. Well, okay. Okay. We get, no, we're not going down that rabbit hole right now. That's not what we're doing. Mark. Don't take sorry, me down sorry, there because I'll get excited and then we won't talk about what we're going to talk about. But before we mention what we're going to talk about, I'm going to give a trigger warning to our listeners. Yes. We are going to talk about um, this episode is going to have violence um, and uh, some gnarly things, including the death and stuff of children. So um whether real or imagined or anything in this particular episode, if this kind of stuff bothers you, then I would suggest you jump to our next one. Yep. Yep. So. And uh, as and as one of our listeners pointed out to us, one of our travelers pointed out to us, said, if you're listening to a show called Eerie Travels, why do you guys keep wanting trigger warnings? <laughs> yes. We do trigger warnings just in case. You never know what's going to hey, trigger somebody. For the but UFO. you are. Yeah. Yeah, you're listening to weird crap, so be prepared. But we get to talk about swamp witches. Swamp witches, because you know we love we, you know we love uh, backhill swamp stuff. 
uh, one of my uh, favorite songs ever was the Jim Stafford song Swamp Witch, which is talking about a witch in Okeechobee. And we'll get to we'll get to Blackwater Hattie in a, in a minute. But uh, let's let's start with the one everybody knows. Now, this isn't really a swamp witch, but she is a famous witch and she did haunt a river or a creek. Uh, but there are so many twists in this story. So, gang, buckle up. And now, when most people hear the name of this, they think about 1999, which, if you can think back that far, I know it's a long time ago for some of us. You know, well, uh, I remember. Okay, I'm going to let you go with this, but I I remember when this entire thing came out. So yes, we're time traveling. Scooby Doo. Yep, we are talking about the Phantom Menace. Oh no. God, no, we are not talking about the Phantom Menace. That's the Don't year make me this angry. happened. That's the year this happened. That was the movie everybody was waiting on. But then there was this other movie that kind of stole its thunder a little bit, and that was a movie directed by Daniel Miernick and Eduardo Sanchez, and it was so successful that it dominated the world box office. Well, and, that and a Phantom Menace was terrible. So there's that yeah, too. Yeah. So okay. um, now that movie, of course, was the Blair Witch Project. And whoop, whoop. yeah. And so according to the you know the movie that came out, now it's kind of known now that it was bogus, right? It was a, well, a at that time there was a little bit of a reveal. So I'm going to, I know you've got so much to tell, but my history with this is remembering seeing the previews because when that movie was released, it was released as a documentary. It was not released as a feature film. It was released as a documentary about this team of college students that um, ended up disappearing. And it was footage found from their adventures. Yep. Yeah, looking for things, which I'm going to let was, you get into all there that. Was, there was a website, which was an early days website that you could go to. And it had, if you have information on these missing filmmakers, please contact them. Internet Movie Database, which at that point was still early days, listed the entire cast as missing, presumed deceased. Yes, it and, was so well done, except for I think it was a week before the premiere a professor or something came out and said, this yeah. isn't real, right? Well, what happened was is because of all the buildup to this, right? They do all this promotional stuff. They are actually handing out missing persons flyers at Sundance for the actors and all this to get interest in the movie. A policeman calls them from Maryland and he's excited to look into this case he wants to help them and they had to tell him it was bogus and that's what word got out so um now we're gonna go tell the backstory of blair witch and there are bits of this that are real and there are bits of this that are not and then we'll get into our real swamp witches in a little bit so buckle up you're in for a ride just consider this our you know a part of spooky season we're we're in that mode now. We are on the way to Halloween, and we are also on the road to Mothman. So this is perfect local lore for you. So yes, absolutely. So 
This is All exciting. Right, so it starts in Maryland in the Black Hills Forest, which according to local native traditions is that the tribes refuse to settle in this area. That's why there is no tribal history of the Black Hills. They, around 1630, a Colonel Nathaniel Blair leads an expedition into the forest to find a suitable place to build a fort, because that's what you did in the 1600s. You find fort places. And he sought help from a local tribe, but they sabotaged his expedition because they were like, don't build here. Don't go anywhere near here. But he goes ahead and builds his fort, and they name it, you know, Blair, and Fort Blair in 1634. Right. Now, different stories say that about 150 years later, so the town of Blair's off and on, never really gets that big. But in 1785, a Blair resident named Ellie Kedward, who was an Irish immigrant, was accused of practicing witchcraft by several children. And the children oh, said wow. she dragged them from their homes with the intention of drinking their blood. And like you do. the town was convinced she's terrible and they're going to kill her. And what she was telling them was, no, I'm healing them. I'm, I'm draining their blood because they've got this disease. And they don't believe it. So they tie her to a tree and lead her. Well, they tie her to a wagon and take her out of town in the one of the worst winters ever. And then they tie her to a tree and mm -hmm. banished her from the town, which is not, you know, the usual witches at this time were generally hung, you know, or, or stoned. stoned. And of course, the legend of being burned at the stake. But you know, that did happen in a few places, but not here. Okay. So they took her out and we're just so, going to let her die to the elements. Yeah. Now, what happened was, is they assume she's dead after a few days uh, or at least eaten by the wild beasts, you know, stuff, mm -hmm. you know, that are in that area. And three of the children who accused her, accompanied by dogs, returned to the forest to see if she was dead. Okay. And they said she was still alive. And the boys had the dogs attack her. And okay. then they, while they beat her up with branches. And then they finally decide to hang her. Uh, because because they, she just they won't die. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm just going to throw this out there. If you are trying to kill a spooky type thing and it's not dying, let it go. Yeah. Let it go and just move. Do an Erica Nope. Just move out of the way. So later that year, it gets you know even colder. Half the village children, including those three, just disappear. None of them are ever found, neither alive no. nor dead. You know, and they just you know, and so they leave the town. The town is cursed. We're we're done with this place. So they fail. They they leave away, and then. Uh, for, you know, 1820s, a new guy comes into the area named Henry Burkett, and he buys the abandoned town from the government, rebuilds the buildings, which were mostly in ruins, and he names it after himself, calls it Burkittsville. Okay. And this town does exist. 
and is visited by many tourists every year because of the legend of the Blair Witch. Now, Which makes sense. Somewhere in between the founding of the new town and the disappearance of the old one, uh, there's a book that appears, a very rare book, and it is called The Blair Witch Cult which showed up sometime in the 1800s and it described all the events of the original town and what happened. And it is considered by many collectors to be the most valuable book on this legend at all. Okay. So now the new town is there, 1825. And there's this river that goes through the town and 11 residents say that this pale hand comes out of the river and grabs a 10-year-old girl named Eileen Triacle and pulls her under the water. And this is just like inches deep creek at this point. So a hand comes out of something, then a hand... The creek, or a hand, this pale hand comes out of the creek and drags her in the water, and everybody runs over to find her. She's they can't gone. find her. Can't find her anywhere. And uh, then, you know, they're, they're shortly after the river is filled with all these branches that seem to be in strange tied together forms and stuff and just filling the river and just fouling the river. And uh, they say, oh, that's probably, you know, the, the river's fouled because the kid probably died in it and all this. They're trying to figure it out. But then okay. March. 1886 eight-year-old robin weaver is reported missing in the forest and various rescue teams go out to find her and she said when they do find her she says that she met this strange old lady who was not walking but floating and that the lady took her hand and led her to a house and she waited for a little time in the basement of the house and then finally left. And that's when the rescue teams found her. But what's weird is five of the rescue workers who went out for her never came back. And they are suddenly found on an area which is now called Coffin Rock. Okay. And they were tied together hand and foot and had been disemboweled, are one of our favorite words. Oh. And they, these other, you know, this other team finds them and goes back to town to get help because they're, you know, they, and they obviously were alive when they were bound. So this was all done to them after. And so they go to get help. But by the time they get back, the bodies are gone and are never seen again. Oh, the rock okay. is the name Coffin Rock. So now another period of years pass, and we go to 1940, November 1940, and eight more children disappear from the town. This is um, why do people keep living in this town? Every just... and it's like every 40 years, right? It's a pattern. Yeah. Oh, and and this, what happens to this one is, is the you know, kids are missing. And finally, uh, an old man from the woods, a hermit, comes into town. His name's Rustin Parr. Mm -hmm. And he goes into the shop in town, just looking bedraggled, and says, 
I finally finished. What? Yeah, exactly. I so don't they, like any of this. They interrogate him. You know, the police, you know, say, what, 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 what's going on? He finally leads him out to his cabin so you'll understand everything. And they, you know, walk four hours into the Black Hills and they discover the bodies of seven children buried in several graves located behind his house. And of course, there was evidence of violence. Some were disemboweled. They all seem to be marked with strange symbols on their hands, their chest, and their ankles. And one kid survived the massacre. His name is Kyle Brody. And he was found standing in the basement corner when they got there. And Part said that the reason he did all this was an old lady ghost was ordering him to kill the children and was telling him how to do it and how to complete the rituals. And he was quickly tried and executed ASAP. Okay, they, they... so wait, pause, pause. I need to catch up. I need to catch up here. Just, I, I may be the only traveler that needs to catch up, but I'm going to catch up here. Yes. So we have kids that are um, drowned. We have kids that are disemboweled. We have yep. kids that are just missing and never to be found again. And now we have a man who shows up and goes, okay, I'm done. And then they leads to a ton of kids that are, oh, don't reproduce in this area. This is a this is a hard pass on reproduction at this point. So we go our next you know forty some odd years, and the cycle continues. And that's when these three film students decide to write a documentary about the unusual happenings in this town, and they disappear. Now, as we know, that was bogus. Uh, the Real secret to this is most of this story is based on real things. And so that's what makes this like, whoa, no, okay, just got that heebie jeebie yeah. feeling. Because I, I don't love this. No, there, there was no Blair. The town of Blair was made up. Now, this, this one lady was the genius behind this. Uh, her name was Julia Farr. And she was the production, like uh, the you know she did all the behind the scenes production of it. Mm -hmm. uh, she created the book, the Cult of the Blair Witch. So that book looks so real, and is so amazing, and uh, and it's part of that website. Now, um, Greg Hale, who uh, was one of the you know producers. He pitched the bulk of the legend to the crew because he tells them the story. And one of the production designers, Ben Rock, wrote that Hale told him the entire story at, beginning with Kedward's banishment and the disappearance of the Trowns people and all that other stuff. And then he and then he waited to the end and he tells them, Yeah, I, I made that whole thing up. And he's, he's like He's like, I couldn't believe I've been taken in for it. You know, I, I, I fell for that whole story. And, but, okay. So the, the guys that made this film were, you know, in central Florida, not Maryland, right? Yes. And 
they uh, base it on some real things. So bloodletting, right? The witch blood, being a healer. Yeah. They based that on Edward Kelly, who is a, an occultist from the 19th century. And he was able to make contact with the spirit world. He dictated in an angelic language, but he also used bloodletting as a medical practice to heal, help heal people. So he was a spiritualist from, you know, 19th century. Which bloodletting, that's a whole other thing, but there was a whole theory that you could purge the old and get the new, right? Like, yep. And now that ties into an area down here in Florida, but we'll get to that after the break. But I got to say one more thing. Rustin Parr. Yeah. The serial killer that never existed. Yes. Uh, you know, he's basically Ed Gein, Ed Gein and John Wayne Gacy but somehow you know guided by a, a you know an evil spirit but what's funny about him is you know if you think about the name again we go back to Ben Rock who was you know production designer he was really into anagrams at the time mhm Rustin Parr is Rasputin so one of those notorious characters from history too so Wow. Well, you know, what's interesting, though, is who they chose, because those neither one of them really were child killers. Right. Right. Exactly. It's it's interesting. They base it off. I mean, because both of them are well, they're just combining, complete. They're combining stories and making their own mythology and their own world. And now the other filmmakers, you know, Eduardo and Daniel, they were um, they the real reason for this project was they were making a documentary. It was it was a faux documentary, which was, this was not- Which is called a mockumentary. A mockumentary. And uh, they were kind of going, you know, William Castle here, we mentioned him, the house on Haunted Hill and all that, where is this a real thing? You know, you know there was a teenage, uh, teenage, it was a cannibal Holocaust was one of his, where he did, yeah. he, you know, they, they thought, it, and then the one movie Snuff, where they mm -hmm. thought it was an actual snuff film to the point where they were when Campbell Holocaust, they actually got put on trial and they had to have the actors show up to prove they weren't dead. Um, uh, but anyway, they were actually, the original intent was this was going to be bits for another mm -hmm. documentary called Curse of Blair Witch. Uh, I believe it was actually called the Black Hills Project when they were originally working on it because Black Hills don't exist. There's no Black Hills uh it's uh this was this was all just faux stuff the town of Burkittsville got swarmed with people stealing their street signs and and all this and they hate this movie they hate people coming to visit i i think a little bit they're going wait a minute there is a little money here so some of the people are embracing it but the old timers have lived there forever this was the worst thing that could happen to their town um and I could say the same thing probably about Forks, not gonna lie. That <laughs> yeah, about any of these places, right? That yeah. Well, I, I do want to touch on real quick, and I know we got to go to the break and you're gonna touch on stuff, but I just want to acknowledge the magnitude of effects these filmmaker makers created in basically essentially creating fiction, but they did the marketing so well. If I recall, the actors were all. They were secluded for like six months. Yeah. They yeah. Were, they so that they their own movie premiere, which is, you know, terrifying. So 
so they did this in such a way and especially at that time where it was so believable right they and they knew it was going to do well on video mm -hmm. and so because they didn't know they were going to get a wide release this was they, they they made a company called hexen films which is based on the original old silent hexen movie which was all about witchcraft it was it's one of those great criterion has an amazing release of it but since it was semi-public domain uh because the copyrighted you know had never been renewed on it that they were using bits of that it their faux documentary that was their intention and uh and then artisan picked them up and you know the rest is history they got a, a major release and then they had to still keep them under wraps until the video release came out <laughs> That's that's so amazing and kind of funny at the same time if you think yeah. about it. Um, okay, I know that we need to take a quick break here, though. Correct? Yeah, but we're going to talk about the real, real stuff next, which just gets creepier, creepier. Okay, travelers, here's our commercial sponsors. We'll be right back. Erie Appalachia. Gear up for a frightful jaunt into the darkest reaches of the ancient Appalachians. Folks deep within the Appalachian hollers lean close to the campfire to share stories of the inexplicable with hushed awe. Monsters rumbling in the hills, strange lights darting through the pitch black night sky, horrible occurrences almost ineffable in their bizarre tragedy. Tall tales, you might say. Tell that to the Flatwoods monster in Braxton County, West Virginia, or the Goat Man of Louisville. Look into his humanoid eyes and let him know you don't believe. What of those apparitions in Mammoth Cave's Corpse Rock or the Satan Spawn known as the Jersey Devil? How do you respond when confronted by these mysteries? From the metaphysical energy that swirls near Serpent Mound in Ohio to Point Pleasant's Mothman Legacy, Mark Muncie and Carrie Schultz explore the dark history lurking in the shadows of Appalachia. Read by Mark Muncy, author and experts on strange folklore with appearances on shows such as Ancient Aliens, The Curse of Robert the Doll, and many, many more. Greetings, mortals and others. I'm Dick Terhune, the voice from hell. I work with haunted attractions all over the U.S., Canada, and Europe to increase audiences and enhance their experience with highly effective commercials, narrations, animatronic character voices, whatever your dark heart desires. Let me help you do more, scare more, profit more. Find out more at Voice From Hell on Facebook and at voicefromhell.com. So we are now to what really happened, where this yeah, all starts. What, what really happened. So now the, the movie came out. We know this, you know, and it, uh, the, the faux documentary they made called Curse of Blair Witch, which was kind of the original pitch. Yeah. And some people say, oh, this is the, you know, the, <clears throat> the budget for Blair Witch was like $3,000 or, you know, or some crazy number. No, the budget was like $35,000. It wasn't a lot. But they did have a business plan. They did have all this. It was, this was planned. But what it was planned as was the stuff where they went out in the woods and filmed for a few days was going to be bits of this other documentary about them looking for the kids. They also filmed another documentary within the documentary that was uh, called, uh, oh gosh, what was it? Uh, Mystic. Oh gosh, I can't remember. Uh, Mystic, Mystic Occurrences. 
which was this fake 1970s looking show with this guy discussing Wicca and, and all the other stuff. And uh, it's, it's, it's only if you do digging that you realize that that's just something they completely made up because there's not a torrent site with, you know, 80 episodes of this missing series. Yeah. That's the only way you really know it's fake. Uh, but now the stick figures, the famous iconic imagery. So let's talk about Blair Witch. So Clerks was made for a totally off topic, but Clerks was made for a similar budget yep. and Clerks did amazing at the box office. So some yeah, of these little films that have smaller budgets do incredibly well at the box office, Clerks right? Was made for about 30 to $100,000 and it made 30 million. Yeah. Blair Witch was made for 30,000 and made over a hundred million. So that's, you know. So win-win. And Blair Witch, I I saw that in the theater. So there wasn't streaming services when this came out. You rented videos at the video store. You yeah. know, Blockbuster was still a thing. Everybody come back in time with us. But this movie was terrifying the way yeah. it was filmed. It was done so incredibly well. Yeah, they 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 trained the actors how to use the equipment. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's why it is the epitome of shaky cam. Uh, the term that term came from this yeah uh but uh they also i believe it did anyway somebody can correct me on that one of our travelers i'm uh, sure but, they will uh, i'm sure somebody will uh but uh you know the the tree branches that were sewn together in creative ways that actually was daniel Merrick was that was one of his childhood fears growing up in florida was walking out in the swamps he had a nightmare about seeing a stick figure in a tree and so that worked into this. Which makes yeah. sense because there are so many scenes and the way they film this is, and the actors were brilliant at this and they were all unknowns, all unknown actors, right? That right. did yeah, this. That was a hundred percent. But the way they did the filming of this, and then I'm going to let you get to the real stuff. I'm just, for travelers out there, there's a couple of travel spots we can talk about that are legitimate real things, but- oh, yeah. One of the travels you can do is watching the original Blair Witch Project movie because it was done in such a way that it's not, it still holds up. I mean, you now know from us talking about it that it's not real, but it does hold up as a movie. It didn't have weird special effects that created it. It was done on what is hunting them because there's no bad guy seen in this either. It's it's very psychological. It is the epitome of psychological horror and it is done so well. And there is no post-production. So there's no music, no soundtrack to let you know when it's time to be scared. And then this went on to spawn the Paranormal Activity series, which did get post-production a little bit. So that's why they, they started using infrasound and stuff like that to scare people. And well, all and it's been proven with The Quiet Place, which I love those movies, mm -hmm. um, that sometimes no sound if it's done really really well works otherwise yeah. sometimes you have to have that soundtrack so it's layers of just epicness that they did this movie without a soundtrack so they yeah. weren't telling you when something scary was about to happen and now when you watch the 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 movie one of my favorite bits was talking to the guys long time afterwards was they they mentioned you know there's this bit at the end where they they find the weird house and the big third act don't want to spoil it for y'all uh although i'm spoiling it by saying it's not real but what's funny is there's these weird handprints on the wall there's all these little children handprints on the yeah. wall 
looks creepy as hell, especially knowing the backstory. And they're in this place. And I talked to them. They said, was the funnest thing ever was it was actually children of the production crew. And they all gave them hand paint and just said, go to town, have fun. And they said it was just a bunch of cute little kids going, hee, 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 having a grand time. It's the complete opposite of the effect of, you know, what happened. Oh, no. When Travelers, if you haven't watched it, when you watch it or watch it again and hear that, that doesn't take away from the terrifyingness of that scene. Now, the way they filmed it, what was really cool was they did it like a live action role playing game where they gave them GPSs and told them, follow these rules. And then they would give them each a, uh, a canister with their names on it that had their motivations for the day. And then they improv all their bits while they were out in the woods for eight days. And at one point it started actually raining so bad that the GPS stopped working because this is back in 1999. GPSs aren't nearly as advanced as they are now, but even now, sometimes they go out. This yeah. stopped, uh, they, they wandered off and found a farmhouse and got cleaned up, had a nice shower. They were refreshed which defeated the whole purpose of the of them building and building this so they uh they had to they had to film the ne the next day's footage to make it all dark when you're watching it it's all just it's it's because that was the only post effect that they had to do and they, they used this thing called after effects which was a new thing at the time but um Ooh. anyway yeah they had to learn it on the go but it's uh it's an amazing film definitely watch it they're good friends uh that I've worked with now, that documentary, Curse of Blair Witch. Yes. When you watch that, it tells you the story. It tells you all this background stuff. It's amazing. It is definitely fun to watch with it. It was released separately. I think it premiered on the Sci-Fi Channel about a week before the movie got wide distribution. Yes. Helped build the fire. Is this real? Is this not real? I should have known something when it was on Sci-Fi Channel. But <laughs> what got me was there was a familiar face on it. Now, they've been really good about casting unknowns. This guy is an unknown, his face, but his work wasn't. And there was a doctor of mythology who's teaching at this Maryland college, supposedly. And I love that they're talking about all this Maryland stuff. And they filmed it in Central Florida. And it's pretty obvious because there's palm trees in a couple of the shots. Uh, so the, you know, the documentary was definitely not as keen-eyed and definitely shows the low budget. Uh, What's fun on that is they uh, one of the, the the doctor was the late great Charlie Carlson, who wrote yeah. Weird Florida, and he was one of my mentors and a good friend. Uh, he is buried in Sanford. He is the master of weird on his tombstone, and he coined the I four dead zone. He you know wrote a book that was you know the grandfather of my book, Siri Florida, and all that. Uh, that with legends and lore and some of them he admits were things he fabricated but some of them were <laughs> real a lot of it was real as all folk you know real folklore and uh, a couple he fabricated as an as an nephew to the florida government because that's the way charlie was <laughs> hey you know and when you say when you mix a little bit of fake with a little bit of real we all know that sometimes and that's where legends come from the boogeyman and stuff so this is where blair witch gets real okay so, so let's blair talk about the real story hog island which is this island in brooksville florida 
Brooksville, Florida. It is uh, in the Withlacoochee State Forest. And in this area, there was an early, couple of early pioneer settlements. It's what mm -hmm. happened over the years. And one of them had a problem. One of the kids in town got sick. And then 1894 and 1895, while that kid is sick and they just cannot cure him, there is the two worst winters they've ever had in Florida. It's, this is where we've had our, our, we actually had snow blizzards almost in Florida, central Florida, wow. I think. That's the, the years the citrus crops all went away and everybody left Florida for a few years because it was just, it was terrible until the you know, railroad tycoon started sending everybody back down here because the weather's so good and it's better <laughs> for your lungs and all that. Uh, but there was a lady in that town and she was the local healer. And because she hadn't saved the kid and because she hadn't, you know, the, these two, the, the two coldest winters ever, she must be a witch. So I think that it's so interesting that they go, these are signs of bad things. These are people that are not necessarily believers in the supernatural who come up with this shit. And then yeah. they go, which, which, yeah. you know, like 1800s. This is not 1600s. This is, you know, almost 1900s. Yeah. Yeah. They take her out to a tree and decide to hang her. And she doesn't die quick enough for their liking. So they light her on fire. And now wow. the rope snaps and she runs off into the woods on fire, never seen again. But the town, the town that was here was called Kroom. Okay. And it was a phosphate mine. It was a prosperous little town and all that, but it was having a rough, you know, couple years and it disappears within five years. It's gone after she's there. Now, Hog Island was named after, you know, guess what? Feral hogs that were out there that the Spanish had brought when they first conquered Florida with their conquistadors. They brought them as a food supply, let them loose in the wild so that they would have constant supply when they came back. And now that's why we have boars and feral hogs. I was going to say, this is not a well thought out plan when people do stupid crap like this, nope. because those so creatures big. will literally eat anything. And that island was just filled with them. And so that's where I got the name Hog Island. But now it is a, you know, with Lacucci State Forest, it is a camping site. And campers there say a lady in white. Hey, it's our lady in white again. Our lady in white. But this one's on fire. And she will run through the camp screaming and, you know, ripping your tent with, with her claws and all this other, the usual scary stuff that goes on so with legend. Well, you have the this. Does it, has anybody shown any proof of ripped up tents? Not recently. So okay, she was mostly spotted in the seventies and eighties, and Charlie wrote about her in his book. Okay, he was telling these guys that story, and that's what inspired them. Well, partially, as along with all these other things that inspired them for Blair Witch. When somebody, some people say this was the reason for the Blair Witch Project, it's, it's a piece. It's a piece of the reason for the Blair Witch Project. There was also another thing that happened, and this is down Lake Okeechobee. I mentioned it at the beginning. There was a song, and this song charted in the 70s, 
and it was called Swamp Witch. And it was okay. the one song, and it was done by Jim Stafford. And I put a link to this song in the show notes. All right. This is Jim Stafford, Swamp Witch. Uh, it is um, the story of Blackwater Hattie. Okay. Blackwater Hattie lived down in the woods where the green reptiles grow. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's so, uh, you know, where the green reptiles roam. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's very, very cool song. It's, it's Jim Stafford's a master musician and a master storyteller. And this song is done like telling a story. And he talks about a, sw- a town that is struggling to get by and the fever hits it and the doctor dies. And so they're all blaming the, the, the black water Hattie who lives out in the woods, you know, in the swamp. So they go out wow. to get her and they can't find her, can't find her shack out there. And so finally they come back to town and they're, the town's almost done. But then there's this big vat in the town, a cauldron, if you will, filled with this bubbling brew and the whole town, you know, they're dying. It's a sinking ship. That's the line, you know, and yeah. they, 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 they sip the brew and suddenly the fever is gone. They're all cured. And then the rain goes away and the sky is turned blue and this saved the town. So they go, well, let's, Oh my gosh, Swamp Witch magic's amazing. Let's go out and thank Hattie. Let's bring her into town. She can live in town now. She doesn't have to live out in the woods. And so they get another party of men go out to find her. And they come back and all they find is a note stabbed to a tree that says, don't come looking again. So (laughs) I I have to say, um, she is one bad bitch and I appreciate it thoroughly. Thoroughly appreciate this yep. person because amazing story and an amazing. You know, and I think, you know, one thing I was going to say for those that are not in Florida that don't get the reference, the green reptiles are gators. Just yes. let's clarify that for everybody. Gators, gators. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The snakes no. hang like I like it, one of the lines in the in the song is uh, the snakes hang like sausage on a smokehouse wall which is definitely describing walking through an Okeechobee swamp. Now Lake Okeechobee is this huge lake in the middle of Florida. And we've, we, it was the start of the Everglades. It's, they call it the river of grass. It starts there. Uh, But we built walls around it and made it into an artificial, even bigger lake. And that's what's part of the reason why the Everglades are dying is because we just, we built houses around this. It was the only freshwater we had in Florida south florida that we could find at the in the 1800s when we were settling this place now what when i was writing erie florida mm-hmm. i was listening to that song a lot and i was like oh i gotta i gotta write about her but i didn't couldn't find the truth on which town blackwater hattie was from so when i got to do the sequel freaky florida i got to do a lot more research had a little more time and I actually called because I found out like two towns after Erie, Florida came out and became a bestseller. I had two towns reach out to me and say, oh, we're where she's from. We're, 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 we're Blackwater Hattie's town. We're going to have a Blackwater Hattie special. And I'm like. So wait, two separate towns tried to lay claim to the Swamp Witch? Yep. So I had to go to the man himself, Jim Stafford, who, who wrote the song and say, okay, where did you hear this legend? And Jim still has a theater where he performs 
up in Branson, Missouri. Wow. And he still performs nightly. If you haven't seen it, it is incredible. Um, and then I finally got in touch with him. Okay. Said, hey, I wrote this book, Erie, Florida, and I want to find out about Blackwater Hattie. Where did you hear this legend? And where did you get it from? And guess what? He made what? it. He made it up? He made it all up. Blackwater Hattie, Hattie was a lady who lived behind his school who did have a shack. And he would go there and get sweet treats from her uh, because she was a friend of his mom's. And uh, when he'd come home from school early, he would sneak out and go to the Hattie's shack and get food from her. And at one point, people got mad at her because she was giving away candy. And so obviously she had to be a bad person. That's the closest it is to reality. Uh, but uh, oh he, he made it up. Oh my God. So this, okay. <laughs> so he, he Blair witched before the Blair witch. Gosh, <laughs> this is like, so like fourth wall breaking. It's kind of epic. Right. Like, so he did a song that made up a thing that was about a made up thing that had a thing that had happened to it. The other people then made up a thing and it's so closely interwoven. But you know, what's interesting, I think about these kind of things back to the lady in white is yeah. when there are certain legends that just seem like people um, gravitate towards them, like the same kind of legend you know, obviously the Blair Witch, they knew it was fake, but they were pulling together certain things to create this mm -hmm. legend that they were making up, but they did it based on fears, right, that they had had and then did it in a very clever way. And the cool thing about what they did in a way is nobody can do that again. Like, no, ever be able to, that was the perfect storm at the perfect time because I mean, that was before... You know, things like Snopes and other things, although Snopes is not always the be all end all gang. Uh, they've yeah. been debunked themselves a few times. Uh, that's, uh, you know, it's, you know, but things like that, you can easily Google and internet check these things now. Back then, websites didn't link to other websites very much. You had, I think, Webcrawler was the first thing to start doing that, or Ask Jeeves uh, were the first things to start, you know, being able to do that. You had to know the links to go yeah. to. Um, and BlairWitch.com was still up until recently. I think they closed it right after the two, right before the 2016 movie. I think they, uh, right after that, they they switched it because that was a remake of a remake. Um, yeah, the later movies, what's funny is all the original filmmakers had nothing to do with the sequels or the remakes because they said, like, if we screw this up, we want it somebody else to screw it up. We don't want it to be us. So, so they all moved no, on. No, and uh, that movie did way better. I mean, when you're given that much, not that they made every single cent of that, but yeah. they all became pretty loaded from making these movies. And from what I understand, they shared it with the cast and crew. They did. Too. They did because of all the weirdness and everything that they had, they put them through where they basically sent them through a live action role playing game for eight days uh, and, and, and only given them the basics in the original audition. Now, the, 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 everybody's like, oh, they tortured the cast. They knew what they were getting into a little bit. They, you know, it, it, the the description for the ad said what they were going to be doing. It was going to involve woods filming and stuff and improving a whole feature film. So they they knew what they were getting into. And what was fun was they peppered the town. They hired the local community theater actors in the town to give them pieces of the story 
and they only stumbled on two of them. Uh, and, but thankfully they had the gist of it, but there were a couple bits that they had missed, like, you know, the guy standing in the corner, the kid standing in the corner and all that. So they had to film a few bits after they got back home. And that's why they're filmed like, like angled to the sky. So you can't see that they're still, they're not filming in, in Maryland. They're filming in Florida, stuff like that. Florida. It was really, it was, it's really fun to hear the whole stories behind this. Now, sadly, one of the filmmakers did pass away from a skiing accident, like oh. right after the movie really hit big. So, um, but uh, a couple of the others are still, you know, making movies and stuff. There was a recent one called uh, Skyman that uh, Mirnick did. It was really good. So. Very cool. Uh, okay. Well, you know, with all this terrifyingness, oh, let's man. let's talk about where we can travel. All right. So I would recommend Hog Island, uh, which is uh, Brooksville. And you can go spend a night in the camp out there. I would not do it until the nine months of Florida summer are over. So I would say right after Halloween is a good time. Well, uh, I would November's say still a little warm, but at least I would say January, time. February, March. That's what February, I'm going to recommend. Are your best bets. January, February are the best bets because then you're not dodging hurricanes and you're still getting away from the, the cold everywhere else and still having a nice time down there. Yeah. Although there are three random days of winter that can occur and you could have another blizzard like 1894, 1895. But Okay, don't don't hold your breath. We're not even going to get into global warming, but how many how many cool days did you guys have this year? Oh, man. We, it was, we actually had a kind of a cool March, which was never happened so that that was a scary that's why we knew we were in for a rough summer so um but um yeah but we didn't have any cold days this year which last year we had like a dozen cold days which was weird for us so yeah i just want to also point out cold is very relative that's true that's true well cold for us was like in the 60s which is you know that's crazy that's down here in florida it gets in the 60s everybody's got to put on parkas but anyway, it got down into the 30s and 40s a couple of times. So yes, but for a lot of people, 30s and 40s is still not that cold. Oh, that's, so. that's jeans and short. That's shorts weather for me from Ohio. Uh, exactly. But yeah, exactly. So okay, so travel. They can go to Hog Island. They can go camping, Island, and that's right near Brooksville. We did that whole episode on Brooksville. Uh, yeah, that you can see the May Stringer House and go to Coney Island Hot Dogs. All that is right there. The Florida National Cemetery is right there. The Cal Prairie Cemetery we talked about, that's all right there. Um, so it's it's an amazing place to visit. Other place, you can go to Burkittsville. They do have Blair Witch Tours. Now, they, they're starting to finally embrace it now that the madness is over. But um, again, just not everybody's in on it and a lot of people aren't happy about it. But if you go to the right places and check in, there's there's places that'll that'll take you to, they, they even walk you out to the old house that is, it is an abandoned site, but it is accessible. So, and just, Very just make sure cool. you GPS before you go. So, so, but don't forget to watch the movies and look yeah. at the documentaries and stuff if you decide to embark on any of this. And if you happen to see a woman in white on fire, which is like a leveled up woman on white. Yeah, see, I still white. think it's just the lady in white. I think the on fire is, again, people just assume witches had to have been burned at the stake. I do believe a lady was hung there. And there are, that's the other scary thing is there are lots of reports of lynchings in that area around that time. And this might, this ghost story might be a way to cover up some dark thing that really happened. I was never able to get any concrete evidence of that, but I think that might be what happened. 
Well, and we know those kind of things happen in that area because we've already covered that. Yeah, Brookville, not you know, yeah, it has, has some history. So yes, it does. But um, travelers, we'd love to hear your stories about swamp witches and legends and things yeah. like that. I think that would be so much fun. Don't forget to send us listener tales. You can go to our site. We're doing lots of site revamps. So there'll be lots of cool stuff, including our shop and things like that as things are progressing here. So you can get all of the cool things from there. It's some merch and then come see us at some of the events coming up. We, we've got Mothman Festival in September. We've got uh, with Indianapolis we got uh you, you yeah you're gonna be at popcon i won't because i'm going to be in ireland chasing irish ghosts oh yeah but you'll get some updates from me and then um we will be at Scarefest in october yeah, i think it is we got, i'll be at spookala and then we'll be at Scarefest. We'll yeah be at, at bartocon uh i'll be speaking at the st pete museum of history october 12th and uh bartocon october 14th so friday 13th in october we may have a surprise so we'll see yes no we're we're definitely gonna have friday 13th we're having website, a surprise it has is it has the listing our facebook has all the listings all the socials and please give us a like a share a subscribe and follow us and follow us on our eerie travels gang oh my gosh but erica stay safe beware of the witch and we'll see you on the other side